0: Welcome to another episode of History of Westeros podcast, a podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones. Today, we are discussing the Battle of Fire. Dun dun dun.
1: <laughs> We're huge fans of all five books, obviously. I'm sure you've knew that by now. But we can't deny that A Dance of Dragons left us hanging more than any of the other previous books.
0: No offense to Brienne, as she was literally left hanging at the end of Feast.
1: <laughs> On one hand, this makes us more anxious to find out what happens. On the other hand, the Winds of Winter is shaping up to be very exciting. We have at least six significant battles or conflicts that are set to resolve early out in the book. We have Aegon Sixth in the Golden Company at Storm's End.
0: Mm-hmm. Cersei's Trial by Combat.
1: We have Daenerys in the Darth Rocky Sea with Khal Jayko.
0: The Fallout from Jon's Julius Caesar treatment.
1: <laughs> the Battle of Winterfell, a.k.a. the Battle of Ice. And the topic of this episode... Battle of Fire, aka the Battle of Marine. Uh, so today we're not really the history of Westeros, more like the future of Essos. <laughs>
0: as an aside, we called the Battle of Winterfell the Battle of Ice, and it might seem a little silly to call it that because the real Battle of Ice it might happen in this bu- in the Winds of Winter as well. And of yeah. course, we're talking <laughs> about some sort of invasion from the others. Yeah.
1: Uh... As frozen as Stannis and his men are, we'd have to think that uh, the others could do something far worse than uh, just a heavy (laughs) snowstorm.
0: But today we're in Slaver's Bay, which is a much hotter place (laughs) where many relevant chapters have been read by George at various cons.
1: Yeah, we've collected what we know about these readings uh, that pertain to the situation at Marine, and we've analyzed them to death as we usually do, History of Westeros style.
0: So if it isn't clear by now, this is an extremely spoilery episode. Mega spoilery, you Yeah, I would say,
1: uh, it's probably, the sp- almost certainly the most spoilery episode we've ever done.
0: Well, the Ariane sample chapter was equally, but this has more sample chapters, so yeah, yes, I suppose. Yeah, and, and hasn't, right.
1: these haven't been actually published or just read at conventions. Yeah, that's so it's also uh, true. It's uh, it's a little bit different, but but mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I fully respect anyone who doesn't want to uh, be spoiled, that wants to keep these things a surprise, um, but, uh, you know, and of course some of the material may change slightly, but you know, mm-hmm. some of us just can't, we just yeah. can't wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all, all but one of these readings were summarized by people who were there to listen to them, uh, so the content should be taken with a grain of salt, as people can make mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm. The one exception is the first Victorian chapter, which we have the exact text of because it was recorded and posted to YouTube and someone uh, transcribed it.
1: About half of it, anyway. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: half of it is recorded. (laughs)
1: Um, And we'll have a link to that in the uh, the description for this video um, and in the description for the podcast, so you can Mm -hmm. find that for yourself if you haven't seen it already. Mm -hmm. Um, It's only fair to mention that some of these details could change when the book actually comes out. because we've been through this process before with Dance and with Feast. We were you know anxiously awaiting those for several years. And we saw the same exact process. Um, but the but since we have been through this before, I can also tell you that these changes tend to be fairly minor. Um, maybe he words something differently, small detail here and there, nothing major for the most part. Uh, so we expect that this, what we're telling you today, will mostly remain the same in the book, in other words.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as he said, we've included the links to all the chapters discussed in the comments, um, we're going to have it in the description on YouTube, as well as in the Facebook post, so if you're listening on iTunes, you just head on over to Facebook or to YouTube to find the links, or do some Googling yourself.
1: <laughs> now, George isn't going to give us massive spoilers at these convention readings. So expect this to be really interesting and fun, but don't expect to have any huge plot points or revelations come out of it. Um, We don't want to, you know, make you uh, expecting that and then have you disappointed. But there is a lot of really cool stuff in here. Don't let me me dampen the mood at all here. And personally, I don't read Song of Ice and Fire to be shocked or surprised, although that does happen, and it's fun when it does. Uh, Those things are nice, but, you know, if you're spoiled on a few events and details, you're not going to be spoiled on the prose the brilliant descriptions or the way you you way, way you'll actually feel when you get the book finally in your hands for the first time or, or ebook or, whatever, or e-book, yes. whatever whatever medium you happen to uh, digest it in um, so if there's one thing that, one caveat to that is there's one thing that, that perhaps i regret having been spoiled on in previous books and that's finding out who the new point of views are mm-hmm. But there aren't any new point of views this time, at least not in these he chapters said that we're there aren't talking about.
0: Not planning on there being any new point of views. Period. Besides the prolonged epilogues. That's true. So, so
1: he may change his mind, yeah. but if that's the case, we haven't learned mm-hmm. that yet, and it certainly does not affect mm-hmm. what we're discussing today. So,
0: so the Battle of Marine involves parallel uh, Tyrion, Barristan, and Victorian chapters. And that these group chapters, you know, are... There's three point of views that we're viewing the battle through. That's by itself pretty noteworthy. If you compare it to the Battle of Blackwater, we also have three point of views there. But Davos is one of them, and he's out of action fairly quickly.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of... This is potentially um, something bigger than we've ever seen as far as battles go. Uh, Speaking of Blackwater, by the way, they spent $50 million on that episode, Season 2, Episode Mm. 9. And that was half of the season two budget. Yeah. And if you think about this one, uh, as we go through it and we describe what's happening, of course there's going to be dragons in this one. That's already yeah. a huge. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean dragons expense. on pyramids. There are dragons <laughs> on the the big pyramids. You know that this the landscape. I mean, the wildfire is stunning, and they had to spend, but dragons on periods. So for anyone who's been bored by a Marine, you should keep it in mind that what <laughs> what this will look like on tv and i could i mean i could definitely see them going over 50 million for this battle it's
1: going to be huge it's really yeah. exciting so anyway yeah like she said anyone who's been bored with marine before that ends today <laughs> <laughs> by the end of this podcast you will feel differently about that <laughs> i'm guessing i'm going to go ahead and bet on that but <clears throat> before we get to the new information it's important to backtrack a little keep track of what's happened at the end of dance with dragons um, refresh ourselves and what those characters were doing, so it all kind of makes sense, and, and you don't need to go back and go, "Wait, wasn't he doing this or that?" You know, we just mm-hmm. good. It's important to recap, so we'll start with Victorian.
0: Yeah, Victarion's orders from Euron specifically are he wants to get Danny and her dragons, but Victorian plots betrayal and he intends to do to Euron what Euron did to him many years ago, which was steal his woman. Yeah. Not that Daenerys is even Euron's woman, but he will <laughs> steal her before he even has her. He has a plan to blow the horn. But, I mean, we're not so sure that he has thought this through after, you know, after that point. Like, you blow it, how, you know, how are you going to make her like you? Bunch of things. How, tons of stuff he hasn't considered.
1: Blow horn?
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Step one, blow, step two?
0: Yeah.
1: Step three? Profit? I yeah, agree.
0: profit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but something very peculiar happened to him, Victoria, at the end of his final dance chapter. When Makoro does whatever he does to Vic's hand, the point of view stops, sort of, but the the chapter continues, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're reading from the narrator's point of view.
0: And it's interesting that this is something that Aziz pointed out in our notes, is that I, when reading it, I had never really noticed the change of point of view. It hadn't been, it wasn't particularly noteworthy to me, but when reading it again, which I'm about to read it out loud, you really see that it's very different from the normal. It's kind of spooky. Yeah, it's a little spooky. Uh, So... The Iron Captain was not seen again that day, but as the hours passed, the crew of his Iron Victory reported hearing the sound of wild laughter coming from the captain's cabin, laughter deep and dark and mad, and when Longwater Pike and Wolf One-Eye tried the cabin door, they found it barred. Later singing was heard, a strange, high, wailing song in a tongue the maester said was High Valyrian. That was when the monkeys left the ship, screeching as they leapt into the water
1: that's pretty cool I love that quote yeah. by the way is, we', we it's something kind of funny that happens to us we, we use a lot of we get a lot of our info from these ebooks and occasionally they have they have typos or just wrong words I think there's an example there I think that's wolf one ear and in our <sighs> notes it says wolf one eye and I, we cut and pasted it from the ebook so yeah. I don't know anyway that's just funny. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Daenerys Stormhorn. Yeah, we saw Daenerys Stormhorn in my copy of Clash of Kings ebook the other day. Stormhorn. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> yes. so some take this this section, uh, this part of the chapter, to mean that Victorian maybe like died in there or something. Um, kind of like Barric Dondarian, raised again, and he still seems like himself, but maybe with some uh, small changes to his personality. But from Victorian, maybe we wouldn't notice that. I don't know. Um, but a vision that Danny sees way back in the house of the undying kind of backs this theory up a bit.
0: A corpse stood at the prow of a ship, eyes bright in his dead face, gray lips smiling sadly.
1: Gray lips smiling sadly, gray joy. hmm <laughs> That fits pretty darn well. Uh, and a corpse standing at the prow of a ship. Yeah, that part, so that's the part about why we think maybe he's now dead. Uh-huh. The color of his black and charred skin of his left hand, by the way, sounds kind of like Makoro's skin everywhere. He's Mm -hmm. described as soot black, not like black, like, you know, black people, like, who are actually (laughs) brown, you know? I mean, he's black, like actual black. So, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he's been burned. I've kind of had that theory Mm -hmm. for a while, but no way to prove it. Anyway, so it kind of sounds like Victorian might be undead. No big deal, right?
0: (laughs) I I lean, I think, towards it being Victorian. Uh, The only other real candidate that I can think of is John Connington. But I don't think he necessarily fits it exactly right. Um, especially because they've landed, you know. Uh, but that's the only other contender I can think of, really. Yeah. But so I, I do think it's Victorian, and of course
1: because we're, we we mentioned John Connington because he gets gray scale, so yeah. oh, gray yeah. lips smiling sadly. But I don't know where the smiling sadly, but that's the part that doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we have. Yeah, a good he's the only other person
0: I can think of that remotely fits. I yeah. guess Shireen. Yeah, sure. <laughs> could be her. But anyways, <laughs> maybe Victorian um, during the Great Voyage from the Iron Islands. Uh, Victorian is a bit confused about how many of his ships turn up missing. He wasn't expecting to lose so many. And one theory regarding this says that Euron is actually tailing him, and the missing ships are not actually missing, but waiting for him, waiting with him, preparing to swoop in and prevent Victorian's predictable betrayal.
1: I don't believe this myself for several reasons, but it is worth throwing out there. Um, if Euron could get that much of the Iron Fleet to turn on Victorian, he doesn't need Vic at all. I would think, but uh, he could have, he could have just taken the air Fleet over there himself. Mm-hmm. Um, the counter
0: argument to that is that he might need Victarian's presence for some other purpose to do the dirty work. Yeah,
1: and... uh, Euron may consider Victorian better than him in terms of leading troops directly in a battle. I'm sure Euron thinks of himself as superior in general, but <laughs> Victorian has a lot more experience with this particular sort of uh, engagement in battle in general. Um, Euron's more of a planner, I and mean, he's a good fighter too. But Victorian's the like, you know, the the big champion Gaia yeah. that everyone rallies behind. So
0: Glory's kind of in the battle. Well.
1: <laughs> he certainly does. But it also could have something to do with uh, him wanting you know, Victorian to take the heat, maybe the, the dangerous you know, that's kinda of the same as saying the dirty work. But it also could have something to do with the Dragonhorn. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: But the other thing though is that Euron is also at war with the Reach. It's highly likely, more likely, in my opinion, that he's directing this himself and not following Victorian. I think I, he's got to be mm-hmm. going for Old Time and Highgarden and being down in the Reach.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to imagine him starting a war with a, the Reach, which is far more populous than... than and Aaron not was. being there. And then leaving. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That would be kind of silly. But <laughs> it's a theory
0: that people have, so we throw it out there.
1: Yeah, so yeah, just in case you were one of the people entertaining the theory we <laughs> wanted to address that. So uh, Euron uh, most likely realizes that Victorian plans to betray him. After all... Uh, he seems to be much smarter than his brother, and uh, he seems to know his brother pretty well as well. Um, he's probably prepared for this eventuality. He probably suspects it's going to happen. He does seem to need Danny, though. Um, he he does intend to take the Iron Throne, and I don't think that he can just take the Iron Throne himself as a Greyjoy. I think he would need more legitimacy than that, so a Targaryen bride might really <laughs> help that. Um, bottom line, though, uh, Uranus... Quite cunning, and he's not going to be outflanked or outthought by his brother Victorian. I just do not see that happening. Victarion just not the, doesn't have that kind of brain power. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's foreseen much and planned quite a bit.
0: But one thing that Euron could not have foreseen or planned around is Makoro, who is the mm. wild card.
1: Wild card. <laughs> wild card. <laughs>
0: First of all, there are some who think Makoro is Marwyn, but I think this is impossible. Makoro seems to be well-known to noteworthy people, such as Benero, who's the high priest of the Temple to Rulor in Volantis.
1: Mm -hmm. He has a whole whole slew of exciting titles. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: He's supporting Daenerys.
1: He is supporting Daenerys. Um, He hasn't exactly told Victarion this, but the red priests are clearly allied with Daenerys. Uh, They they think... um, she's Azor Ahai. Some sort of manipulation is is likely here, but we're not really exactly sure how it's going to come. Something that hasn't yet happened.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yes. um, But how will Makoro actually impact Euron's plans? Uh, Makoro tells us in Dance that the Horn must be claimed with blood. And so (laughs) perhaps the Horn had already been bound to Euron and Makoro is going to change this. Because maybe you know Euron, he 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 could he could see that Victarion wouldn't blow the horn himself. He knows better than that. He can see that. But he his plan likely hinged on Victorian not realizing that he needs that he needs to claim the horn with blood himself. Uh, Makoro might have ruined that plan, but perhaps Euron has another trick up his sleeve.
1: Yeah, um, Makoros says the horn must be claimed by blood. Uh, she said, surely Euron knows this. It's written on the side of the horn in Valyrian glyphs, apparently. And at the end of the chapter, Makoro asks Victorian if he should bleed him. Claim with blood, if he should bleed him. I don't know if something related to that. Vic says that the dusky woman will do it for him. Uh, Can this, can something be done with his blood? Can the dusky woman or Makoro even be trying to get some of his blood to manipulate the horn somehow? Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember, King's blood is, we've we've all heard about the value of King's blood. The power of King's blood comes up in in numerous places throughout the series. Uh, with different people involved, different types of magic involved, Mm -hmm. but this is a common thread throughout all of them
0: you know they have, so we, have we have the dick blood of <laughs> gendry gendry <laughs> of course the
1: most startling example probably is yeah,
0: they used years. on joffrey <laughs> but yeah. anyways almost without a doubt we, the greyjoy line is full of kings uh, including his brothers Balon and Euron, as they themselves claim there you go uh, but they also claim descent from the legendary grey king himself the first king of the iron isles so yes he does have king's blood in his line
1: yep um for more proof, if you didn't, if you don't believe us, I, I assume you do, but if you need more <laughs> proof the Euron is pulling the strings on Victorian, there's this great quote by Makoro
0: I have seen you in the night fires, Victorian Greyjoy. You come striding through the flames, stern and fierce, your great axe dripping blood, blind to the <laughs> tentacles that grasp you at wrist and neck and ankle, the black strings that make you dance.
1: Course, Victorian doesn't like being told that he's dancing. (laughs) That's his reaction is dancing. He kind of ignores the rest of it. The underlying meaning is like, dancing? I don't dance. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: missing the point there, buddy. Uh, One person who definitely doesn't like Makoro is the aforementioned Dusky Woman. Mm -hmm. She hisses at him when she sees him for the first time. She's smiling when Victorian walks in and then she sees who's behind him and she. Hisses at him
0: she, she wants to be the only black person on the ship, obviously. <laughs> I mean, no, but a popular theory is that the dusky woman is a faceless man. That seems a little, might seem a bit crazy. I mean, after all, this person keeps having sex with Victorian. Like, that's a commitment to your cause. I'm also doubting that a faceless man would lose composure like that. Um, and, and we see from Arya's chapters how well, they, how well they train their reactions. And I can't see a reason why she would want to show that reaction, which could maybe be the counterpoint, but why would she want to lead on that she doesn't like him? So, he,
1: yeah, it seems like a real reaction It's so an uncontrolled, yeah. like, whoa, I didn't expect to see you or so, someone yeah. like you. I whatever. think
0: Faceless Man is, I would, is not, not not what's the case. I agree, but... I
1: agree. It was worth mentioning, and we know that Euron had a Faceless Man yes. uh, before, so um, it could be... You know, he's could one, be one retainer. Person. Person. He's one <laughs> unretainer. Uh, he's, he's super. He's a lot richer than we thought. <laughs> uh, so, Makoro hints a bit that the dusky woman, in fact, will kill or is killing the captain when he says the following quote... Your death is with us now, my lord. Give me your hand. Mm-hmm. She's standing right there, with us now, as the quote says, and we know that all of Euron's gifts are poisoned. Victorian himself says that line, or thinks that line several mm-hmm. times. Euron, all of Euron's gifts are poisoned. In this case, it might be literal. The maester, the young maester who was treating his hand, seemed perplexed by how his hand wasn't healing properly. And it could be that the dusky woman was doing something sneaky. Like, she couldn't get away with just slitting his throat. That would be too obvious. But if he dies of this infected wound, no one's going to blame her. Remember I just, that... Why
0: do they want them to die, though, before he blows the horn? Yeah, that part I don't understand. She wants him to be close to death that he blows the horn and then goes for the last thing. You know, I mm-hmm. don't know. But. Or,
1: or perhaps that Euron needs him to be dead, but he couldn't have foreseen Makoro being there. So... Mm-hmm. It's Dusky all. Woman
0: could be acting on her own accord. She's like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, so it's also important to mention that there's at least a couple of times where Victorian mentions that she's going to do some of the work on his wound. After the master cleans it out in that one scene, he has her bind the wound up. So she's got yeah. plenty of opportunity yeah. to have manipulated his wound. And yes. of course, they're sleeping together. So yeah. I mean, it's not like that's the only access he has <laughs> to her. So.
0: But, I mean, what are the odds that Euron sent his brother and the Iron Islands' best fleet, his best ships, across the world on a super important mission without putting some spies and loyal men or women in in his ship?
1: Especially given that, what what our earlier point about how he's pretty much figured out that Victorian's going to betray him, because I think he knew that all along. Before he even told him the plan, he was like, okay, he's going to betray me, and I'm going to do this, and respond (laughs) to that, etc. Um... But what something peculiar, uh, Victorian wanted to kill her right away because he's you know he realized, well this came from Euron I don't want yeah. her because all of Euron's gifts are poisoned, but he just doesn't he just doesn't kill her uh, he just that's the way he thinks of it in his own mind he just doesn't <laughs> yeah. so she could be loyal to Euron and not a faceless man of course she could just be some agent of his mm-hmm. um, that seems a lot more likely yeah. to us but yeah, you know yeah. we had to throw up all the possibilities
0: you know a lot of people characterize Victorian as a dumb brute. But they seem to ignore some complex psychological issues that Victorian has regarding women. Um, I mean, among other things. But, you know, Euron, but... Yeah. Uh, doesn't that, know said, to, that doesn't know
1: how to laugh. I mean, that's that's an issue right there. Uh, yeah, that said,
0: Victorian is, is very subject to manipulation. Uh, Euron seems to be an ec- excellent manipulator, and so choosing a female spy... Is pretty clever for yeah. you know for for Victarion. Yeah, it's, and uh, I nice mean movie. in A Dance with Dragons, Victorian is already seeing her as enough for him in terms of having female companionship. Mm-hmm. He just wants a woman to love him.
1: <laughs> he wants to love and be loved. That's all he really wants. Behind <laughs> he's a, that, he's a lover, mur- not a fighter. Behind that, <laughs> <laughs> he's a lover <laughs> and a fighter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's both. He just doesn't know he's a lover yet. <laughs> now, like I said before, Euron certainly did hire a faceless man already. That's how he killed Balon. And he may have even paid for it with a dragon egg. Uh, this could be the same Faceless Man. Um, so if it is that, we've, we've kind of connected those dots. If not, well, <laughs> you know, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so take your pick. Faceless Man, other magical type control conspiracy, or, you know, just Euron knowing his brother really well, manipulating him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or maybe it's both. Yes. It could be both. <laughs> All
0: right, now, moving on for Victarion. Tyrion has just snuck away from slavery, thanks to the chaos caused by, you know, his master, the Yellow Whale, a very funny guy, <laughs> yeah. contracting the Pale Mare. He is the Yellow Whale and the Pale Mare.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so many mares. Yeah. And so many animals, rather. So many animals.
0: <laughs> he makes lavish promises to the Second Sons in the form of massive rewards, and he signs his name to documents proving this. And that's the price for him to join the company, and Jorah and Penny join with him. Yeah.
1: Uh, So now to Maureen and Sir Mm -hmm. Barristan. In the Kingbreaker chapter, the Shavepate explains the Yunkish motivations with seeming perfection. He kind of lays it all out for us, and for Sir Barristan, who's not the most astute political guy... (laughs) Um, but unlike many others who are, or were, uh, bad at intrigue, Ned Stark, <clears throat> <clears throat> Barristan fully recognizes his own shortcomings and takes advice from those we recognize recognizes as aware and relatively trustworthy. Now, why is Skaha's The Shae Fate so trustworthy? Oh well, that's mm-hmm. because he uh, has pretty much opposed everyone that Daenerys has considered an enemy and he's mm-hmm. committed to it by, you know, getting people killed, And joining the Shave paint movement in general really marks him as someone who's changing the old guard. So he, if Daenerys' cause is lost, he's toast himself. So he's an ally, if not by circumstance and true loyalty, by necessity.
0: Yes. So, I mean, even a man with no taste for intrigue like Barristan, he does recognize this. He Mm -hmm. realizes that... He yeah he can trust the Shave Pay. Yeah, he doesn't
1: need to, it doesn't need yeah. to be too complicated to realize that this guy's life is depending on the same things his. Yes. And his so Skahaz, <laughs>
0: what he says, he, he tells essentially that after executing Admiral Grollio, the young Kai had six hostages. Three of them were King Hisdar's kin, <laughs> who have been returned. Mm. Dario, Jogo, and Hiro remain captive, and how convenient that is.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Shave calls this a sham. We agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he returns, the hostages returned are Hisdar's kin, and the other three are Danny's like, top people, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, he couldn't have balanced that out a little bit, and it, it was kind of blatant. Yeah. Uh, Skahaz believes that Hizdar will balk at the killing of the dragons. That's what the youngish are demanding. Um, Hizdar is going to, by balking at this, it allows him to buy some time. It'll make a show, it'll make him look like he's loyal. It's kind of a show of, of showing loyalty to Daenerys, saying I can't kill her dragons, I can't do that. Um, but Hizadar, of course, if you recall, he wasn't, he didn't hesitate at all when Drogon came out, uh, attacked the fighting pits there and he was screaming, kill the dragon, kill the <laughs> dragon. So that's kind of inconsistent. Um, but also the delay allows the Yunkai to use, uh, as an excuse to execute one or more of the hostages, you know, that way they can get rid of Dario or Hiro or, um, Jogo. Uh, the sham can continue as his dark and now claim because they're executing more houses He's like, "Oh, now I have no choice. I have to kill the dragons, or Danny's other beloved captains will be killed." Oh, what <laughs> was me? What choice do I have?
0: The bottom line is that the Valentine fleet is on its way. And the last thing a fleet, any fleet, wants to deal with is dragons. Mm. Sails, wood, nowhere to hide. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: this can't be understated, I mean, really. During Aegon's <laughs>
0: Conquest, the Targaryen Navy was defeated by the Arryn Navy. So Visenya rode forth on Vagar and burned the entire Arryn fleet mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Keep that in mind. <laughs>
1: That's nasty. So, and the Valentines are aware of this, the the yeah. are aware of this. They're like they okay, believe me. The Valentines
0: <laughs> know about dragons.
1: Yeah, they <laughs> are. They're they're probably a couple of them are real nervous about that if not more of them. Anyway, Skahaz is insistent that they they have to strike first. They can't just wait for this this sham to to play itself out while they sit there twiddling their thumbs, losing time and the initiative. So, Barrison refuses. Saying that they must uphold the the honor of the queen's peace of their honor and the queen's peace, which is you know not what we're advocating and what Scott has was suggesting. So Bericson agrees at least though to question the king regarding the poison locus. He at least agrees that something's up there and that needs to be pursued, and he intends to allow that Danny to judge the king um, after he decides after meeting the after meeting with his Dar and realizing that he probably was lying. He doesn't. He kind of feels like he was lying he doesn't really believe his excuses so he imprisons him and but he has just the, the hand his unofficial title that everyone's calling him decides that he isn't going to be can't be the one to execute the king so he has to let danny come back and do that yeah. that but however right when this happens right when his is arrested and put into jail is the precise moment that quentin's plan goes all you know bad yeah. <laughs> and the dragons escape so there's all these things
0: happening at once mm-hmm. His imprisonment precipitates the return of the nightly murders, and at a faster pace. Mm. You know, the uh, you know the sons of the harpies the murders. Uh, the Green Grace and the others. Uh, yeah, Green Grace. She's such a nice chick. Sure, <laughs> she has everyone's best interest in mind. She's certainly not creepy mm. at all. They urge Sir Barristan to kill the dragons, so that there can be a return to peace, and the hostages can, you know, be returned. But he delays. He's trying to ransom the hostages. Misande Miss, uh, suggests offering a huge sum so that the cell swords and the employ of the young Kai will be upset, uh, if or when, rather, because it is when yeah. they refuse.
1: So, meanwhile, Viserion and Rhaegal are loose in the city, each having taken a pyramid as new home. Uh, ancient Miranese families lived in these pyramids. Uh, So the hostile dragon takeovers, it's a new term, hostile dragon takeovers, did cause a few casualties. (laughs) That's a good bit. yeah. (laughs) The fighting pits have been filled with animals uh, at Sir Barrison's command so that when the dragons roam for food, they have an easy place to go and get some and not have to Mm -hmm. cause any extra destruction, Mm kind of minimize the danger, or rather the damage that they're doing throughout town.
0: Mm -hmm. So the young guy responds to the ransom offer? Oh, just fling plague-infested corpses over the walls. Mm. This, of course, means that war is unavoidable. Yep. In fact, war has
1: begun. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the start but, like, of the Like
0: you're, you're, you're flinging the plague into the city. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? that's,
1: that's not, a, not something you do to your friends or no. your people that you're trying to build peace with. <sighs> uh, so, now, that's the the background, that's the setup, um, that's basically what happened at the end of Dance of Dragons. Now let's get into the actual new mm. material, the actual sample mm. Winds of Winter chapters.
0: The length compared to Blackwater seems to indicate at least six to seven chapters. Blackwater was six. Uh, With the number of point of views in mind alongside that, this is definitely looking like an extremely epic battle. I mean, it already is an epic battle based on what we know. Mm -hmm. To be clear, we have five confirmed Battle of Fire chapters, and we can take a guess at there being one or two more chapters due to the length of Blackwater. Compar- you know, comparatively, it seems like it makes sense that there would be at least, at least equal amount as Blackwater. So we can assume there's probably one more chapter.
1: Yeah, and also that's... It's also based on the action at the time. Also based like, on well, the action, isn't yeah, quite over. Also yeah. There true. must be at least one chapter. There must more be at least one more maybe chapter. Maybe I'm
0: thinking two, but...
1: And also, just as a... a, a just from a... You know, a mathematical percentage of the book type of thing that probably represents six chapters, seven chapters. Seven chapters would be probably about eight to nine percent of the book, just to give you an idea of of how big the book is and of how big the battle is. <laughs> um, so we're able to guess effectively at the chapter order based on partly on how the action unfolds. It's easy to see that some things happen before others. Mm-hmm. Um, some things sometimes it's pretty obvious, yeah. but also. George is really good about making sure the characters take note of what time of day it is based on the position of the sun, things like that, so we can mm-hmm. we can uh, connect the dots that way as well. That really helps us.
0: One way this could be six, seven chapters um, would be if the prologue takes place at the Battle of the Marine perhaps mm. Marwin arriving and then promptly dying, as Marvin is the, the, the custom. And <laughs> it would certainly be nice to see into his head, at least, though I don't want him to die particularly, but that's mm-hmm. about the only chance we have to see into his head. And it also fits in with the general... Um, uh, the general... Uh,
1: the, pattern the pattern of, that, of the chapter. Yeah,
0: the, uh, the exact pattern which they, he does, uh, you know, southern, northern, etc. So, um... Anyway. Yeah, anyways, um, we're going to go into each chapter in more detail throughout the episode. You can uh, refer to the chapters themselves during this episode, or you can come in blind. We're going to give you a, just a slight overview of what you can expect, um, what each chapter, like, so you can kind of tell as we go through the actual details, you can know, you know, that this was a Barristan chapter, or, you know, whatever. mm mm-hmm. um, the first
1: one is, in fact, a Barrison chapter, mm-hmm. and we are referring to it as "Sound the Attack." We've given each of the chapters a, a little nickname mm-hmm. to kind of uh, remind what what they are, what the key points are in them. Mm-hmm. But we're really, when we describe the action, we're sort of going to describe it all together yeah. as one amalgam, so it's easier to keep track of. Um, so that'll be kind of fun. It's almost like telling a story. Um, in one of the readings, we have uh, the, the reason we call it Sound the Attack, rather, is because Barrison makes a really rousing speech. We don't have the actual speech, but um, mm. I mean, it, 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 apparently it's great. <laughs> mm. um, and after the speech uh, in one of the readings, George specifically tells us that there's next. A Victorian chapter, and then a Tyrian chapter, and then a second Barrison chapter. So we know that order, like, mm-hmm. almost for sure. Yes.
0: So then, after Barrison, there would then be Victorian 1, as he said, which we're calling Trojan Ships. Uh, we learned of his plans for the battle and for the Dragoncorn. That's the one that half of it has been released, and it seems that all of it has been read. Mm-hmm. So. Uh... So we
1: have a. a... Maybe a little more precise detail. Yeah, Yes, chapter, the most one say. we have
0: the most precise detail on. Well, Tyrian, you know, we only have half, but you know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> half of it specifically written out and half of it read out loud and notes taken. So, yeah. you know. Uh, anyway, so in Tyrion 1, which would be next, we have, we call it flipping and flopping. <laughs> uh, that refers to both the bodies flying uh, as they're hurled by trebuchets and to the back and forth nature of sellsword loyalty.
0: Mm-hmm. Then we have a second Barristan chapter uh, where we have some major battle action. So we're calling it, I came for blood, not gold. This is a quote for this three books, really, because it's it's reminiscent of (laughs) the Red Vipers. You raped her, quote, uh, which is funny because this line comes from the Red Lamb.
1: Yeah, another red guy. Red
0: animal. Another animal. (laughs) Red (laughs) animal, that's right.
1: (laughs) Then we have Tyrion 2. Well, we're kind of assuming Tyrion 2 would be next, but as far as the way the action unfolds, it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, like I said, we're calling it Forcing the Issue, and what, what basically is happening there is that Tyrion realizes he needs to act fast because his, uh, he's on the wrong side, (laughs) and as usual, this means running his mouth, that's how he usually forces the issue, and he's gonna do it uh, to good effect this time, and Penny herself is forcing the issue a bit. The
0: issue of love. (laughs) We can guess that right now, right here, this is the chapter we're guessing, we, we, like we said, we think there's one, we, we, we're pretty sure there's one more, we can guess that this is Victorian 2. Uh, and this is probably a dragon this, a dragon's descend chapter.
1: yeah, we were expecting the horn to get blown in that chapter yeah. so um, but this is the but as far as that goes, that's probably why he hasn't read that chapter yet. It's probably some something pretty big happens either the dragon's coming out or something about his new nature, his arm being revealed, something like that, or maybe just some awesome scenes that he wants to hold on to. Um, in any case, uh, we're gonna have to wait for the book on that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so but will there be a Danny chapter shortly after all this? That's that's kind of possible. Um, yeah. If she does show up, it would be so much more epic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, the thing is, is that she, when we last saw her, she was in you know she was in the Swacky sea. And does she have time to do everything that she needs to do and get there for the battle? We don't think so. I mean, she, yeah. we she, we think she's going to. Uh, we, there's a lot that she, we think she's going to do. We're not going to get too off-topic into Danny because that really doesn't have much to do with Battlefire, and I don't want to get off-topic. But it would be a lot more epic if on TV. You know, there's the battle going on. Everyone's like, where's Daenerys? Where's Daenerys? And then she shows up right at the end of the battle to take control of her dragons, whatever. But that's a little too convenient for George.
1: Yeah, probably too convenient. The timing but, would be pretty amazing on that.
0: Yeah, it would be pretty un- unbelievable.
1: So, but more on that later. Yes. Um, so the battle. Um, let's talk about the who and the why. In other words, who the participants are, why they're in the battle, what their motivations are, what they want to get out of it, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Starting with Barristan's command, his immediate his immediate army and all that. His, of course, his most important troops are the Unsullied. Everybody knew that. <laughs> 5,000 of them are going to commit to the battle, uh, which leaves over 3,000 unaccounted for. And we're assuming those are going to remain behind, stiffened by the city watch, the Brazen Beasts. Um, they're left behind to make sure nothing happens inside the city, to make sure it holds and to be a last line of defense if the attack fails. Now, of course, the Brazen Beasts, like I said... Have are not in Shavepate's command anymore. They were Hisdar removed the Shavepate from command and put in another of his cousins. More nepotism, <laughs> but Shavepate claims they're still loyal to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but also note that the son of the harpy could be causing great problems if there aren't sufficient loyal soldiers to keep mm-hmm. them a bit. Which is why it's very smart to leave behind three thousand unsullied. Um, no doubt, like they would aid the besiegers if the opportunity arose. Screw
1: the harpy. Yeah, screw the harpy. <laughs> uh,
0: and then, of course, there are the shave pates. Uh, men, you know, who shave their heads to signify their loyalty to Daenerys. That they've left behind the old ways of, of Geese, which long involved dramatic characters. I can't wait to see all those. Yeah, references. it's like horn,
1: draw, like horn shaped and like into animals and stuff. Look, that'd
0: know. be cool. Sounds kind of cool, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, there's no shave pate company or anything. But there are definitely some fighters in the group. They're men, so man. A lot of men are fighters. Uh, those who own mounts could function like Westerosi free riders. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, you know, riding to battle with Sir Barristan. Yeah,
1: right right, right alongside the famous Sir Barristan. Uh There's some freedmen slash former slave companies that were formed when Daenerys freed. The slaves, obviously. Uh, the, we have the Mother's Men, led by Marcellin. We have the Free Brothers, led by Simon Stripeback. Mm-hmm. And we have the Stalwart Shields, led by Tal Tarak. Uh, he <laughs> was, they were formerly led by Yolano Moss but he fell victim to the Pale Mirror like so many Aww. others.
0: And <laughs> then, of course, there are the Dithraki. Mm-hmm. Very few remain, as though, so they're not really significant at the moment. I mean, Aggo and Ricaro took the bulk of the small Calisar to the Thraki Sea to search for the Queen.
1: Right, so they're not around. Um and Squires, who mm-hmm. we get to learn a bit about them at the end of Dance, of we're going to see them in action here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Larak the Lash, um, mm-hmm. given the honor of carrying the Queen's Dragon Banner. And mm-hmm. we have Tumko Lowe.
0: My favorite. Black as maester's ink he was, but fast and strong. The best natural swordsman Selmy had seen since Jamie Lannister.
1: The best natural swordsman since Jamie Lannister. Yeah. That is a really big compliment. Yeah. And this is coming from Barristan, who is yeah. the incredible swordsman himself. So yeah.
0: we'll
1: keep an eye on him, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's the Red Lamb, a ferocious yeah. lazarine, unusual amongst his normally peaceful culture.
0: Yeah, he seems to be pretty quotable. Um, we're really looking forward to reading his dialogue. He's the one that you know said that I came for blood, not gold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so far, we've listed people whose loyalty to Danny can't be doubted. Their motivations don't really need to be explained. They're loyal to Danny, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> the rest of the players in this battle, however, are not so certain.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the pit the pit fighters. I mean, we're reasonably sure that they can be trusted, and Barristan does think the same. Danny is the one who freed them. And if her side is not victorious, the best they can hope for is enslavement, and many would be tortured to death.
1: Yeah, uh, many are loyal to Hisdar as owner of all the fighting pits as well. He's kind of their employer in <laughs> a sense. Um, and indeed, we're told that uh, Barrison is kind of hearing them yelling uh, as they kind of t- yell out a battle cry, or whatever. More of them are yelling out for his dar than for Danny. So mm. take that, take that for how you will.
0: In any case, though they're only about two, uh, two to three hundred—not two men, to three hundred, two, two to three, two hundred to three hundred. To be clear, <laughs> we're not that. Uh, like, what a great us estimate we had. But uh, we're told they'll fight alongside the few Dothraki that didn't join the search for Danny.
1: Right on. Then we have the Stormcrows. They're a, they're a unit of five hundred cavalry. If that wasn't uh, known, Dario is a hostage, so they're joint commanded by a man called the Widower, a scarred axeman. And Jokin, a veteran archer.
0: You joking all the time.
1: He yeah, is. He's a he's a laugher and a joker. <laughs>
0: we expect them to remain loyal. And Darry himself, I mean, is obviously quite loyal to Danny for obvious personal reasons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Furthermore, Barristan has sent uh, the Dornish knights uh, Archibald Ironwood and Gareth Drinkwater, Quentins companions, of course. I'm sure you remember, along with the same uh, with the, rather with some previously un uh, previously unreleased slash imprisoned windblown to treat with the Tattered Prince, the same ones that accompanied Quentin during his fake <laughs> betrayal mission that turned real, and so those guys got thrown in jail, and blah, blah, blah. Um, he has told the knights to offer what the Tattered Prince wants most of all, which is the city of Pentos. Uh, as an aside, it seems not unlikely that Illyrio is on bad terms with the Tattered Prince. We don't know yeah. about any background between them, but it seems like Illyrio and Varus would have been coming up, kind of getting or or had already just come up around the time that the Tattered Prince fled from Pentos. So we don't know what about the connection between those two, but we gotta feel like there's something.
0: The tattered prince will accept this offer and consider himself very lucky. Why so sure? Because he intended to defect to her side in the first place. Yep. <laughs> I mean he made multiple attempts to talk to Danny or her people, in secret, about turning their cloaks, and it didn't work. Yeah. Quentin Martell ruined one of those attempts when he turned his cloak himself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> irony, irony. Uh, the service that Barrison expects uh, for Pentos uh, being given to the Tattered Prince is twofold. The first, of course, is to bring Pretty Maris and Kego Corpse Killer and all those other colorfully named, windblown, and their 3,000 men over to Barry uh, to Danny and Barriston side.
0: Mm-hmm. The second is to rescue Dario, Hero and Jogo. Mm-hmm. Presumably they would use their feigned loyalty to get close to the hostages and then make their play for rescue. Then they'd join the battle immediately afterwards.
1: Now we have other Salesforce companies of course, uh, the Probably the biggest unnamed one that we've learned a lot about is the Second Sons.
0: We know they flipped the younger side not too long ago, and they calmed Danny out of some extra wealth on their way out. Yeah. <laughs> but Tyrion, Ser Jorah, and rapidly changing circumstances, uh, are pushing a brown man Plum to, you know, consider reflipping his, he has like 500-some-odd cavalry, mm-hmm. back to Danny, despite his fears that she'll kill him in the Volantine fleet.
1: Yeah. That's the big big wild card that's bothering him in general. Yeah. Uh, the Long Lances are a group of 800 cavalry, and we don't really know much about them. They're sort of the odd man out as far as all the salesword companies, as far as getting mentioned. Their commander even is apparently a kind of a mumbler when he's talking, so <laughs> I, kind of, I guess that's kind of fitting. Uh, uh-huh. They are probably loyal to the Yunkish, but they're sellswords. They could change sides. In the middle of the battle, if you know, if they're not like wiped out first or something like that,
0: then mm-hmm. um, so. they're the company of the cat. I like that name.
1: Yeah, it's three
0: thousand <laughs> men commanded by Bloodbeard. Also like that name. Bloodbeard. Bloodbeard wants to sack Marine, and he wants to reap huge rewards. This the kind of which that he just not he wouldn't get from Danny. She doesn't want to sack a city really. Yeah. Uh, he'd all he also hates the tattered prince as he and his men fought on opposite sides in a recent campaign. Yeah. On top of all of that, Bloodbeard, i mean, he's specifically the man who threw Grolio's head at the foot of the throne. Hmm. So that means they're highly unlikely to switch sides. Barristan specifically <laughs> wants to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and he tells Danny never to trust him. So as long as Barristan is com- commanding them, definitely they're not switching. Yeah, and yeah, even yeah. with Danny, they're definitely pretty much not switching.
1: Mm-hmm. It seems very doubtful. They're, 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 even though they're a sellsword, a sellsword company, they've really committed themselves <sighs> to the other side for a lot of reasons. Um, now we have the slave soldiers and related allies to the Yunkish. Uh, there's the Giscari Legions, who are, uh, quality cells, uh, rather, they're quality slave soldiers, unlike some of the other ones we've seen. They're not necessarily no match for the Unsullied, but they are more numerous, at least. (laughs) Um, we also have all these minor lords with anywhere from, we're told, 20 to 2,000 soldiers, anywhere in between. There's the Herons, the Girl General, the Little Pigeon, the (laughs) Perfumed Hero, Uh, and other such completely unintimidating ridiculousness, (laughs) etc. There's also a hundred elephants with towers and archers on the back. There's a core of carthine Camelry. Camel warriors, that sounds cool. And then we have the Talasi Slingers, who we see them in action a bit, practicing with their lead balls, and Tyrion Mm -hmm. mentions how badass they are.
0: All of these guys are really disorganized, though. I mean, the Yunkish and their allies had besieged Astafor prior to this, as we know. And when the Astafori sailed forth, they sallied forth, I mean, uh, it mm-hmm. caught the Yunkish completely by surprise. Uh, only the disciplined and prepared sellsword companies, in tandem with the legions from New Geese turned the tide.
1: Yeah. This will probably turn out to be foreshadowing because the same thing is going to happen. Uh, most likely. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not the Iron Fleet is truly an a- ally for Danny, they're certainly an enemy of the Youngish and their allies. Yes. Here's a good quote.
0: Yes. The noble lady was a tub of a sh- ship. <laughs> 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 as fat and wallowing as the noble ladies of the Greenlands. Her holds were huge and Victorian packed them with armed men. I do like the tub of a ship.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's well, kind of I mean, cool. I was
0: doing...
1: uh, but not just the noble lady. Uh, the Iron Fleet's best fighters are all stuffed into fishing boats, merchant cogs, and other very mundane, unthreatening vessels.
0: The idea is to allow the warships under the Yunkai to board, as they normally would, to inspect their holds, etc. Uh, you don't approach a city under siege by land and sea unmolested, like, you know, yeah. by
1: air. And <laughs> they're counting on that, specifically.
0: <laughs> the hidden Iron Man would burst forth and, bore, and board the enemy vessel and take control of it trojan ships
1: there you go presumably they do this as many times as they can while overwhelming the others with uh with the new ships plus the uh real iron fleet which will uh, arrive sometime after the yeah. second wave uh yeah like a trojan horse maybe so we have um then we proceed to then they'll proceed to land and assault the slaver armies on land hmm.
0: victorian with the weaker part of his men but the stronger part of his fleet is waiting a predetermined length of time to join the battle, and he's giving the Trojan horse ships the time to do their job. And, of course, he has dragon Biden mm-hmm. to think of. Uh,
1: Mokoro might have some kind of impact on the battle. Uh, he We've yet to see a red priest in a pitched battle. Melisandre was not at the Battle of Blackwater, but she stated with no uncertainty, of course, she's always confident, but... <laughs> uh, she stated with no uncertainty That she, had she been there Stannis would have won I'm uh, mm-hmm. not sure what exactly what she Remember during the battle at the Wall She just incinerates Aurel the Eagle uh-huh. So like she's clearly capable of doing some stuff in the battle mm-hmm.
0: so. Makoro would definitely want Danny side to win mm-hmm. so. uh, Makoro may not be more powerful than Melisandre But he has been much more accurate with his readings yeah. with His interpretations <laughs> of his accurate. readings Especially <laughs> And he did the burned hand thing to Victorian. So, as again, wild card.
1: Wild card, Macora. <laughs> <laughs> um, his loyalty to Danny is, like we said a few times, is pretty much unquestionable. Um, his superior, Bonero, the uh, head priest, head red priest at the Atlantis, <laughs> yeah, seemed to have a, a what we call this is a new term. I like this a zealot's confidence that. <laughs> That she is Azor Ahai. So mm-hmm. when you believe that, when you're a religious person, you believe someone else is the savior of your religion, you're loyal to them. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we don't really, I don't think we need to explain that much further. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Makoro is really well placed to help Danny, basically.
1: Yeah, if anything goes wrong or, you know, anything goes right, he's <laughs> right there. So um, the last thing George reads in this Victorian chapter before we get into uh, as far as what he officially released is this great quote here to Makoro. Go pray to your red god. Light your fire and tell me what you see. Makoro's dark eyes seem to shine. I see dragons.
0: Hmm, at least he doesn't see dead people. <laughs> Another wild card is the Valentine fleet, of course. It's much larger than the Greyjoy fleet, even with those that he has just capped. Mm-hmm. I mean, Victorian sees it himself when they're in port of Atlantis. I mean, they could have been slowed by the same storms that scattered his own fleet, uh, but they still could—they still have 300 ships filled with slave soldiers not far away. Hmm. Victorian's plan involves getting in and out before they arrive. He wants to get in and out, grab Danny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> snatch and grab—standard, you know, no yeah. problem, right? It's actually, of course, it's. Quite bold, um, worthy of the Ironborn, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> but also his only choice, perhaps. I mean, the Shave Pate tells Bersten that Dar was planning on welcoming the Valentine fleet <laughs> and and their armies, opening the gates to them. So once the slave armies are inside, Marine, then Victorian doesn't really have any chance of getting Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dar isn't going to, at the same time, Dar isn't going to give any orders about opening the gate at the moment because he's still in prison. <laughs> mm hmm.
0: Biggest wild card of all, more than Makoro, more than the Valentin fleet, are the dragons themselves. Mm -hmm. They could attack the Yunkish. they could attack Danny's people, they could do both. They could burn the ships, they could just scare people off just by coming near.
1: And this is before the horn is blown. (laughs) After that, it'll either get better or or worse, or... (laughs) um, And at the point where the battle is basically getting ready to start, or just after, it's kind of unclear, um, they are... Patrolling the skies above the city, catching these plague-infested corpses as they fly over, (laughs) as they flip and flop over and through the air. The dragons burn them in midair like they do in those fish... In that scene, uh-huh. the beginning of season three. Uh-huh. Kind of like that, except they're doing it to corpses uh-huh. and catching them eating them in midair. So
0: also a cool scene. Hopefully
1: we get to see that yeah. on TV. That is cool. Yes. Um,
0: I wouldn't think that that's too dark or gory for Game of Thrones. No, I
1: don't think so. It's just
0: a dragon eating a dead body. A yeah. bunch on? of dead bodies. A bunch of them, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's, let's think about now for a minute how all these varied forces and armies, how they're arrayed, where they're at when the battle starts, basically the layout. Mm-hmm. Marine is basically surrounded uh, though it took some time for the Yunkish in a general yet more commentary on how disorganized they are. It's kind of one of those too many chefs spoil the soup kind of deal. Um, and there's uh, so it took some time for them to, to kind of surround the city. There's also the the refugees, who a lot of them who are plague victims, either are already plague victims or are soon to be because they're mm-hmm. surrounded by plague. So they kind of form a bit of a neutral zone. The Yunkish were kind of keeping them near the city at a distance, kind of throwing stones at them, slinging at them, arch you know, shooting at them, keeping them mm-hmm. from leaving. So Danny's kind of forced to deal with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Danny couldn't bring them inside, and no one wants to go near them. <laughs> but the Yunkish prevented them from going elsewhere. That's purely to cause problems for Danny and her armies. They're, you know, you could say they're leveraging her sympathy, which, I mean, obviously she has sympathy for people.
1: Yeah, so they're, like, making, it's kind of puts a strain on her resources, I bet. Um, so yeah, so we can kind of consider them a bit of a neutral zone. No one wants to go near them. <laughs> so the battle won't, they won't probably a much of impact in the battle at all. Now we also have, of course, we just mentioned the trebuchets flinging corpses into mm. the city. There's six of them active, and they each have a nickname.
0: <laughs> yeah. We also have dragons flying above. They're not hurting any living people yet. They're just hanging around, flying around, making <laughs> things interesting, intimidating everyone. <laughs> and then we also have slave soldiers that we mentioned all over. Many more on the way from Volantis. Then we have the Yunkish allied swords in reserve. Barristan expects these to counterattack when he charges, much as they did in Astrophore.
1: The And then, of course, finally we have the very unthreatening fleet that's approaching and that, of course, is filled with ironborn and, of course, once they land, they're going to do their sneak attack thing on the slavers and their ships and boarding o- boarding, and taking over as many of those as possible. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we can get into the actual action of the battle. Actual action. <laughs> Barrison's men gather in the large market square beside the western gate.
0: Uh, he perceives that some of the men fear the diseased cor- corpses. I mean, who wouldn't fear with that. Yeah, that's but that's scary. And he, <laughs> and he perceives that many of them are facing their first battle. He addresses them with confidence, giving them, I mean, of course he does, he's been in plenty of battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives a speech to lift their spirits. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing that speech ourselves, reading it ourselves. He's wearing his new Queen's Guard armor, and he's riding Danny silver, how nice, mm-hmm. uh, as he thinks a symbol of her presence will boost morale. He no doubt cuts an impressive figure, and along with his reputation, uh, as he makes for an inspiring leader. I mean, no doubt the story of him slaying Kraz in single combat has spread, and that helps because not like people there know about his his escapades in Westeros. Really. Yeah, they've only
1: heard that he's... And they
0: know that he's, 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 <laughs> he's a good fighter, but yeah. they don't know that he went and saved King Aerys, you know, himself. <laughs> they don't know that.
1: They don't know about that, but they do know that he just killed a, a famous pit yes. fighter 40 years younger than him in yeah. one-on-one combat, so... That definitely is going to give him a little credibility if he didn't already have it. Uh, Of the speech itself, we know very little, but we hear it's particularly excellent, so we have that to look forward to. Uh, He thinks to himself that a leader should never speak of defeat before a battle because you never know when the gods might be listening. And we hear that Lord Commander Gerald Hightower, the commander of the Kingsguard many years ago, is the one who told him that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. While others, as we said, were showing a fear of death from whether from the corpses or from the battle, the Red Lamb claims to have no fear of death. You could say he's going like a lamb to the slaughter, <laughs> as it will give him a chance to meet his people's God. He says, who's called the Great Shepherd. And um, this is something that I, I quite like is that he, <laughs> he says he at that point he plans to break his shepherd's crook in two while demanding to know why he created such a peaceful race in such a violent world. And I think that's something a lot of people can identify with. <laughs> yeah. Miriam Azdor was the Lazarine too, by the way.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. So they have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> the charge is the signal that Barristan has arranged for the charge. that Because, as we said, there's a charge happening out of three different gates. So they have to have some sort of signal to unite them so they know when to do it. And it's a fire atop one of the pyramids. I assume it's the Great Pyramid, the tallest pyramid in, in, in town. <laughs> but uh, that's not specifically mentioned. Uh, so while he goes out the western gate, other uh, forces are charging out of the northern and southern gates uh, towards the main Yunkish forces. He has his three squires by his side. Leric is Bannerman, um, while Red Lamb is charged with blowing his horn at certain key moments, either to cause advancing or retreating. Uh, the Unsullied are valuable and skilled troops, as we know, but even they can't you know, march in formation through the gates and keep their ranks like that. So they need time to kind of filter out of the gates and get into formation. And Barristan's charge with the pit fighters uh, just behind is is partly designed to give the unsullied time to kind of form mm-hmm. up and get and get into their ranks.
0: Yeah, uh, and of course uh, here's we, we mentioned that one of the ways that we see the chap we figure out the chapter order in addition to what he, George actually said is the time of day that we see. Here's an example where Barristan notes that the dawn will be upon them very soon. Thus it is still dark. He thinks that it'll be a dragon dawn. Dragon dawn. Yes.
1: That's cool. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, though, out on Slaver's Bay, the sea was smooth and still, the sky bright with stars. Victorian, perhaps while Barristan is giving his speech, sends his men into battle as well, reminding Wolf One Ear of their plan. He says, the slavers may shiver when they spy your sails rising from the sea, he told them. But once they see you, plain, they will laugh at their fears. Traitors and fishers, that's all you are. Any man can see that. Let them get close as they like, but keep your men hidden below decks until you are ready. Then close and board them. Free the slaves and feed the slavers to the sea, but take the ships. We will have need of every halt to carry us back home. And then Dar- Victorian goes below deck to to talk dragon horn blowing with his thralls. <laughs> And then we have Tyrion, meanwhile, playing Syvass with the brown Ben plum, plum once again. Hmm. Tyrion suggests they turn on the Yonkai and claim to Danny that this was their plan all along, i.e. that they had pretended to switch sides. The problem is that his, the, is that his plan to demonstrate loyalty to Daenerys is exactly what Barristan sent the Windblown to do. Free the hostages. That's what Tyrion's <laughs> plan is, but that's already going to be accomplished. Someone thought
1: of that already, yeah. Tyrion.
0: <laughs> At some point, and again later, a second son tells Brown Ben that new ships are arriving. He ignores this, assuming that it's the Voluntines fleet. Of course there are ships arriving, the Voluntines are coming. But he's wrong. And soon enough, Ser Jorah then bursts into the tent and declares that a Greyjoy fleet is here.
1: Around then, this is when Barrett and his men are actually riding out through the western gate. Uh, Despite this experience, or despite his experience rather, he is nervous. But because of his experience, he knows the nervousness will vanish when time slows down in the chaos of battle. That might be an actual quote from the book. (laughs) Barrison thinks that much of this attack goes against his instincts. Uh, They're charging into a larger force, and both relying on cell swords to fight alongside him and to betray his enemies. That's the Second Sons and the Windblown, uh, respectively. Mm -hmm. But it's not that simple. And he doesn't yet know that the Iron Fleet has become a huge help, at least in the short term.
0: Mm-hmm. Danny Sil- Silver is really fast, and Barristan riding it, he begins to outpace his squires in the Stormcrows. This pleases him as he intends to strike the first blow himself, before the Widower, who also intends to do so, apparently. Yeah. Hm. He takes heart, as he notices, as was foreshadowed, that the Youngish forces are completely unprepared for this attack.
1: Yeah, soon they're only 30 yards from the Herodon, which is one of the trebuchets, I think it's the largest of the trebuchets, and he, before any sort of resistance starts to form against them, so they've gotten almost to their target, and that's finally when the youngers actually start to do something. Uh, it's, we're told that the sky fills with arrows, briefly, and a, storm crows, uh, a squire for the Stormcrows is killed, Barrison himself takes a bolt to his shield, and Larrick is hit in the chest, uh, but regains his saddle and keeps the banner held up high. Nice going.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the red Brant lamb blows the horn, as planned. Barristan looks back to see the pit fighters emerge from the city gates, making enough noise for ten times their number. He notes that one of them is bare-breasted and wearing a python, even. What? And he (laughs) he decides she won't live through today.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and uh, agree with him.
0: (laughs) Their job is to intimidate while screening the Unsullied as they march forth.
1: Yeah. So by now, Barristan expects that there should have been a counterattack by the Yunkish, uh, at least by the Swords, because they're organized and disciplined. They're okay. professional soldiers, after all. Mm-hmm. They're not slaves. Uh, we already know why the Second Sons might be holding back, and the Windblown as well. But the com- long lances in the Company of the Cat, the ones that we said that are almost certainly going to stay loyal to the Yunkish, those are the ones we would have expected to see come and meet Barrison's charge and deal with him. But they haven't uh so it looks like the general disorganization dis- the disorganization, ah, disorganization that he was expecting uh was actually even worse than <laughs> than he thought better. but or better for him yeah <laughs> but we know the real reason is that it's because of the ironborn having a run
0: yeah they've seized the ironborn have seized several youngest ships and others have put ashore and are attacking the young cat from behind and so this is what the company the cat and the long lances are likely dealing with yep but this is the first wave of Ironborn. Back on the Iron Victory, Vicarian is rubbing his own blood on the horn in an attempt to claim it with blood. That sounds really funny.
1: My horn. Mine. I'm going to rub it on there with blood. I'm guessing it doesn't work that way. Anyway, he also, um, you know, uh, finger bangs the dusky woman.
0: Maybe yeah. with his new burned hands. <laughs> you know.
1: Burning sensation for his pleasure. <laughs> Bad idea to have sex before a battle, he thinks. Um, yeah. You know. He goes back on deck and gives his men a rousing speech. I'm giving. I'm guessing he's not as eloquent as Barristan, but he's probably just as rousing, you know, to, to consider who his audience is. Mm-hmm. And he gets his men fired up, I'm guessing. Meanwhile, uh, Tyrion is going back to put on his armor while uh, Brown Ben rides off to consult with the girl general. Uh, many of the second sons are unhappy about being on the Yunkish side.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Sir Jorah, obviously, would be chief amongst those.
0: Mm-hmm. So then a man in golden armor, he rides up, claiming to speak for Supreme Commander Gorzak. But no one knows who the hell that is. <laughs> I mean, who? Gorzak. Yeah. There hasn't been a Supreme <laughs> Commander since Yurkazo Zoyunzak was trampled to death while attending the Fighting Pits. Uh, this envoy commands them to attack the savages from the squid ships, but they call that silly. They can't run their horses on water.
1: What are <laughs> <Yeah>. you thinking? <laughs> Tyrion also thinks that in general it would be a terrible idea to fight the Ironborn. Like, yep, correct, Tyrion, and you're right. That yeah. a Terrible idea. So they tell the emissary that eh, they don't want to seem like cowards or whatever. And this, this whole the whole line about riding horses on water was kind of just a way to kind of deflect. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're just they have to come up with they come up with a better excuse, which is well, we got to wait for our captain to come back before deciding what to do. We can't just ride off into battle without our captain. He needs to tell us what to do. So they say they tell him that he's not happy about that answer says swearing that Gorzak will be angry with them. We still don't know who Gorzak even is. Mm -hmm. Um, Tyrion and Jorah are now even more convinced that they're on the wrong side. (laughs) So Viserion, by the way, has now withdrawn. Uh, Rhaegal is still roaming the skies eating plague corpses, I suppose. Um but Rosarian is withdrawn, so we're not sure what's up with that.
0: Barristan is he's now very close to the harridan the, you know the trebuchet, but uh Giscari slave legion, apparently six thousand men strong, has formed up in front of it. They are six ranks deep and bristling with spears yes, like like porcupines
1: like a hedgehog exactly uh, <laughs>
0: the the bane of a cavalry charge uh Barristan decides to veer off and aim for a weaker part of the enemy lines.
1: Well, we named a bunch of uh, silly slaver lords before, so let no one be surprised when we tell you mm-hmm. that Barrison picks one of them as the weak point. Uh, he goes for the herons, those ridiculous <laughs> tall slaves mounted favorites. on stilts. I mean, come on. Wow, so I ridiculous. So much. <laughs> he believes dawn will blind them. There's how we know what time it is, basically. Yeah. And he cuts the head off the first heron he meets. I guess he had to reach really high for that. He's sitting on a horse, so it yeah. he can help. Yeah, um, the silver, Danny silver, knocks into another heron, and knock. he falls down and knocks three more over. Him. That <laughs> sounds kind of like dominoes. And that would yeah. be a
0: funny scene. I hope <laughs> they have the heron. That yeah. would be If they have that on TV, that will yeah. be a little,
1: a little comic relief there, I guess. And then the
0: red lamb catches the little pigeon himself, more animals, who begs for mercy while claiming that he will fetch a large ransom. And this is where the red lamb says, I came for blood, not gold. And that's where he and then the little pigeon has his head smashed in by the Redlands mace.
1: Bam. Yay. Blood apparently flies all over getting on Dar- <gasps> uh, Barriston's horse well, Danny's horse. Uh-huh. So Barriston looks back to the gates again and sees that the unsullied have had uh, have begun to march out and form up. He notes that he sees one take a crossbow bolt through the throat and fall dead, but it doesn't slow them down at all. They're disciplined and okay. professional. Yeah, he keeps walking. yeah, I got to. He just gets up and keeps going. Um, so this is when Tumko Lowe, the best natural swordsman he's seen <laughs> since Jamie Lannister, points out the extra ships out in the bay. Uh, like, he also
0: has a good set of eyes. Yeah, apparently.
1: At least <laughs> better than uh, Barristan. <laughs> 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 like Brown Ben, uh, Barristan's first thought is that the Volontine fleet has come, and he's kind of sad about that. Yeah, his
0: heart <laughs> sinks at the thought. He's probably like, oh, this is it. This is yeah, it's the end. <laughs> and he has Tumko describe the banners to him, and Tumko responds, Squits. Big squids, like in the basil- Basilisk Isles, where sometimes they drag whole ships down. Barrison replies, Where I'm from, we call them Krakens.
1: <laughs> and he exalts, thinking that yeah. they have the Yunkish uh, caught in between. He thinks of Prince Baylor Breakspear and Prince Makar, who at the Battle of Redgrass Field were the hammer in the anvil, catching the rebels between mm-hmm. them. And he thinks it's just like that. And he's just, you know, filled with excitement. Oh,
0: my great-joy allies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, Barrison may not be thinking of them as allies soon enough. Uh, but for now, it looks good. You know, uh, we know what Vicarian's really got in mind. So, hmm, <laughs> that could change quickly. Yeah. Uh, so the last selection of chapter readings show us Brown Ben returning to the Second Sons camp, telling his men that they are ordered by the Girl General to defend one of the trebuchets. Another nobleman rides up wearing armor with depraved scenes, of which Tyrion approves. Must <laughs> say, uh, they must be having sex or something. Yeah, be,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> For Tyrion to yeah, approve. Yeah,
0: certainly.
1: Um, he comes up swearing vengeance on the Prince of Tatters, <laughs> which uh, is likely uh, because of the betrayal, plan of betrayal that we mentioned earlier.
0: Uh, Tyrion mocks the Lord. Perhaps he's intending to provoke a conflict.
1: Forcing the issue, as we said before. Yes, forcing
0: the issue. He's likely realized just how desperate they are now. They absolutely must switch sides, no matter Ben's reservations and the fact that their rescue of the hostage plan is no longer viable.
1: This apparently works, and it comes to blows. uh, Meaning the forcing the issue. Uh, Brown Ben holds the man off, giving Sir Jor a chance to kill him. No doubts. Now... They are definitely on Danny's side again. They just mm-hmm. killed some important lord of the Yunkish, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: <laughs> but so, anyways, it appears that since this nobleman was he was bitching about the tattered prince, it seems the windblown have done their job, though Berestin doesn't know doesn't know this yet. We expect Dario, Hero, and Jogo to be, faith, yes. to be safe.
1: Yeah, we, yes. we expect so, but you know there could always be a twist. Maybe the windblown have their own agenda, and uh, Dario winds up dead somehow. You I, just want know. Dario no, I, want, I
0: don't like Dario either. <laughs> I don't want Hero or Jogo dead.
1: Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I'd like to see Dario live a little longer. I'm not a big yeah. fan of his, but I think he has some more cool <laughs> stuff to do. It wouldn't be a worthy death for him <laughs> to die in captivity. That's true. Now, Tyrion himself probably wanted to take credit for getting the second sons to flip again. Um, he needed something to kind of prove himself to Daenerys besides murdering his own father. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it seems like he's going to get upstaged by Victarion because it looks like, it kind of looks like they switched sides because the Ironborn showed up. It (laughs) doesn't necessarily look like they did, you know, they were, you know, had some other (laughs) plan in mind. But that said, the Second Sons played it smart. They didn't kill a single one of Danny's people. So, it's not like Danny can really fault them for being uh, actually committed enemies. So, switching back might actually work. Brown Ben is nervous, and I would, I would, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd agree that he should be nervous. But they do really have some good things going for them.
0: Mm-hmm. He can return whatever money he needs to That's return.
1: That's true. That's the yeah. money that he kind of fleeced from Danny. Yeah. He can just give it right back and say, mm-hmm. I never, look, I never, yeah. <laughs> I, I never, I never. <laughs> I had to
0: make <laughs> so Tyrion seems to have a large hurdle or two left to climb before Danny accepts him. Mm. I mean, his brother killed Danny's father, and Sir <laughs> Barristan didn't really like Sir Jamie very much either, as mm-hmm. much as he could respect his skill with the sword. Yeah. Uh, Tyrion's father, you know, he seems to. Daenerys certainly thinks that he ordered the deaths of Danny's niece, nephew, and aunt. It doesn't look so good, uh, even though he killed Tyrion himself, which goes a long way. But Dan- Danny is she's she, she's committed to always saying the usurper's dogs to always. She she really hates everyone on that. Yeah, she, she thinks is. she's involved with it. It won't
1: be so easy. Tyrion's gonna have to demonstrate some value. Um, yeah. I, I think maybe. The dragons, you know, yeah. his, his knowledge of dragons might be what he does. Yeah, but, but the dragons
0: accepting him? The
1: dragons accepting him, like, kind of the way Brown Ben, the uh, I think it was Viserion, flew over to him when he was, you know, just this big. And Danny's like, oh, he likes you, you know? And we some people thought, well, and, and then he goes on to describe his dragon blood, his drop or two drops of mm-hmm. dragon blood, and maybe that's the reason. So if Tyrion has any dragon blood, which we're certainly going to go into that whole conspiracy theory about him being a bastard of Ares... Um, but if he is, this would be a good way to prove that, that it's the case. So, mm-hmm. simpler
0: with... answer, of course, yeah. as he's mentioned in a little bit, is that he can simply just show off his knowledge of dragons, which is something that Danny does have a distinct need for. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> we don't see it in these readings, but perhaps Tyrion even knows what to do about the dragon. I mean, I don't think that's so likely, but he certainly knows things that Daenerys would like to know But no one else can tell her at this point.
1: He he, as far back as his. First or second chapter in Game of Thrones, he's mm-hmm. borrowing books from the Stark uh-huh. Library about dragons. He's yeah. just he's just reading, so he's read a lot. He's yeah. possibly the most knowledgeable person regarding dragons. Mm-hmm. Period. He probably knows more than a lot of the maesters because from yeah. our from our maester episode, you guys know that yeah. most of the maesters are not. No.
0: They
1: don't they don't want to think about that kind of thing. They're, well, they're, they're the second most science.
0: likely person to know a lot about dragons is Marwyn the Mage. So he's also going to Danny. So maybe Danny meets Marwyn. Just like I don't need you, Tyrion.
1: Yeah. So but, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of possible, a lot of really mm-hmm. cool possibilities there. So. As far as the horn, she said, like she said, she's not so confident that uh, he knows a lot about it. But if he does, or even if he doesn't, he can claim to. <laughs> he can say, yeah. "I can help with this dragon horn issue. I've know, you know, I've read these books." And he might say that as a lie, just to buy himself time. <laughs> like if his alternative is to be eaten by a dragon or killed in some other way, or lie to stay alive, uh-huh. we know which one he'll pick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, at this point, though, we are past what we know from the readings. And we're dealing with predictions and theories. So let's clarify where the three point of views are. So as we just saw, Tyrion has just accomplished the first part of his goal, which is getting the second sons to change sides. His second goal is, we've also just discussed, that's getting Danny to accept him. A big question, though, is how Ser fits into all this... What's Danny gonna think of Jorah? Is Jorah gonna argue for Tyrion against Tyrion? Will it be better if he argues for or against him in Danny's eyes? Will she even
1: listen to what Jorah yeah, like, so is saying? Maybe if Jorah argues
0: against Tyrion, that's good for Tyrion because Danny is like hates Jorah. <laughs> so, well, definitely that's what, that's what where we are with I Tyrion. Would, I
1: would think Tyrion shouldn't be like, hey, look, I brought Sir Jorah back to oh, you. No. That's the, not. Don't start with that one.
0: No. Um...
1: So they'll have kind of varied and perhaps unpredictable reactions to both Ser Jorah, Tyrion, and Brown Ben. Uh, All three of them are going to kind of elicit some strong reactions. Um, And then we have maybe Victarion. She has to react to him eventually, potentially. So we'll see about that.
0: So then we have Barriston, who right now believes they're solidly winning the battle. I mean the wind blown, the second sons have come over to their side, the unsolidar information, but you know, he's broken through part of the Yunkish Lions, and the Ironborns the Ironborns, something he didn't ever predict, are doing all sorts of damage.
1: So things are going great. Yeah. Mm. Well that means something bad is probably about to happen. Something terrible. Really don't say awful. That. <laughs> Like, maybe the Valentine fleet does arrive right then, or maybe the dragon horn gets blown right about then. Something yeah. something bad.
0: But speaking of the horn, this is about where we might expect to see that second Victorian chapter again. The action might not come from his point of view. I mean, we obviously don't know for sure. But what we do know for sure is that he waited behind with his second wave of troops and his ships and dragon binder, Jealous of those he sent ahead to, just to strike the, the first blow. Mm-hmm. I mean, last we saw, he gave his men a speech, and then he and then sailed to join the action. I think the horn might be blown around this time as he comes ashore, perhaps just before.
1: Uh, here's what the Iron Captain has in mind. Uh, he gathers three thralls and offers them rich rewards for one horn blow apiece.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, he doesn't realize that he only needs two horn blows.
1: Apparently, yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> He's know, being been. The has
0: gone, but yeah. <laughs> the Three Thals are a boy, a brute, and a bastard's bastard. Lots of bees. Yes. He tells them, Blow the horn until you are too weak to stand, until the last bit of breath has been squeezed from you, until your lungs are burning. Let the freedmen hear you in Marine, the slavers in Yonkai, the ghosts in Astapor Let the monkeys shit themselves at the sound when it rolls across the Isle of Cedars. Then pass the horn along To the next man Do you hear me? Do you know what to do?
1: Remember how awful And just how Sorcerously loud That thing was The description Theon of it Theon would hate it <laughs> Theon would really hate it either. Just regular war horns Keeping him yeah. up at night This thing would just, just he'd Give him nightmares um, So He
0: more things To have nightmares about At this point Yeah you're right I Loud sounds Probably don't bother him too much
1: He's going to be thinking about His missing You know yeah. what
0: His um, missing horn
1: his mi- <laughs> His human horn, yeah. <laughs> so, it, so that horn, it could really distract people in the battle. I mean, p- people, it could distract. It can mm-hmm. confuse them. I don't think anyone's going to mistake it for the, you know, the that the horn, horn that Red yeah. Lamb blows. But you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it could easily uh, as as much More damage as it could do to mess with the people and their organization and their just the way it feels it like. Victorian felt like he was being burned from the inside <sighs> when he heard it blowed. So. And Victorian's a tough guy. Like these are, you know, what is going to do these other people? But think about the animals. The animals in the battlefield, like the horses, especially, could be freaked out by this. There's also the elephants and the camels, which we haven't even seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that mm-hmm. is just a you know yeah. a lot of opportunity for chaos. Yes,
0: there. I mean this could go it could go really well for them. The we're in the not using any animals at all. Mm. You know, and the animals could cause chaos, and chaos could be their ladder. <laughs> oh
1: yes, yes. yes. Chaos is a <laughs> Nice. So we know that many of Barrison's forces are relying on horns as a signal, like I said, so it's possible Dragonbinder throws them off, causes a retreat that's not supposed to happen, or causes someone to advance when they're not supposed to. Um, But the horn sound, like I said before, it's kind of unique, so it may not have that effect, but Mm -hmm. it could, so that's an interesting thing to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, it could go really badly as well, Perhaps Rhaegal and Viserion come... And burn the Iron Fleet.
1: <laughs> Whoops. Huh? In general, I kind of doubt the dragons are just going to come over to Victorian and lie down in front of him meekly saying, okay, what, what is your bidding, master? So, but it could have like a calming effect, despite how hellacious and, you know, just intimidating it sounds. I mean, dragons sleep in volcanoes, after all. We've heard about that. So if if, you know, if a volcano uh, can be comfortable, then that sound might actually be soothing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And of course, we know that Vicarian is probably doing Euron's will right now, mm-hmm. and that they both mean to take Danny by force, but Mikoro seems to be Danny's honest ally. Euron and Mikoro are both pulling strings on the same puppet, so that creates a bunch of possibilities. So, is there any chance that the Ironborn attack Danny's people? Unlikely. Vicarian's men know not to attack anyone flying dragon banners. They want to steal the queen. Which will never happen if they feel, appear hostile to her people. Yeah, as soon as so, they start
1: attacking any people, yeah. there's people, no, they lose all access to her in, yeah. in general. Uh, as for the opposite, though, the Iron Fleet seems to have dragon banners of their own. Um, in other words, will Barristan's men attack the Ironborn? The answer is most likely no. They've already seen them as allies, most likely. And, of course, the dragon banners should ensure that... There's no confusion there, mm-hmm. um, and since he needs to snatch Danny and get away before the Volantine fleet arrives, uh, he's going to have a problem because she's not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's you know out in the Dithraki Sea, yeah. which until recently the Victorian thought was a sea. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, and if the dragons are causing problems, though, by the way, if the dragons are just flying around doing all sorts of chaos, um, causing problems because the horn's have been blown. Uh, he's he not may not really- even be able
0: to find out <laughs> that Danny's not there Because yeah. <laughs> his fleet's being burned and him with it <laughs> He'll
1: have bigger problems to deal you with know. indeed
0: So I mean he has no immediate way to complete his mission We have three point of views at this location now With Danny returning eventually So I mean that alone could spell doom for the Iron Captain Three point of views converging <laughs> One survived <you> know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So Barristan might not live a whole lot longer either but I mean, I think I think as he agrees that his story is more yeah. interesting if he survives long enough to be conflicted about Aegon the mm-hmm. Sixth. His claim supersedes Danny's, and Baristan has always felt shame about Rhaegar's, about the death of Rhaegar's children. So Baristan himself could actually be one of Danny's three treasons.
1: Yeah, uh, he the first treason may have killed her son and her and or her call. In other words, it was huge. So the she's thought in her mind about what some of the three betrayals could have been or what they could be. But the one that we're kind of sure of was really big. So Jorah, like, betraying her wasn't really that big. And, mm-hmm. and the Brown Ben flipping didn't turn out big at all. He's flipped back yeah, without I mean, killing one of her soldiers.
0: Didn't hurt her at
1: all. Yeah, it didn't really hurt It kind of pissed her off. But as yeah. far as, you know, got people hurt mad. It hurt her feelings. Yeah, she so... She likes
0: Brown Ben. Her <laughs> dragons like him <laughs> with his
1: With his strange dead eyes and his big smile. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it seems like... That something big has to happen as far as a treason and you know, as as unlikely as it is for Barriston to turn on her. Well that would certainly that would be, be the, big. That, and that would these... be the
0: one time that he would maybe turn on her as Aegon. Yeah,
1: and the other the other potential bugaboo there is <laughs> Pugaboo, I don't know why I use that word. Um, is that Barristan was in love with Ashara Dane. And mm-hmm. for some reason, George threw that in his last chapters there at the end yeah. of Dance, pointing that out. Some that's people true. think Septa Lamar, the, the Septa in the company Lala. with Aegon and John Connington, is Ashara Dayne. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that could be because the eye color, Tyrion never yeah. notices her eye color and it's supposed to be really purple. Yeah. But if it is her, Barrison's in love with her. He's going to have a really hard time being against her, fighting her. And mm-hmm. that could be, you know, treason for love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: <clears throat> so is it possible... That Daenerys just shows up during this battle. We discussed it briefly earlier in the episode. Is it possible that she shows up? Well, let's it just we we think it's not very likely. But if it does happen, It'd be
0: cool. But what
1: you know, what would what would happen there?
0: I mean, I wouldn't complain if she came riding in on Drogon with a large group of Dothraki with her. And I do think that she'll you know come there. But we, it's more likely that she's going to head to face Dothrak first because she sees the following vision way back at the House of the Undying.
1: Between the mother of mountains, rather beneath the mother of mountains, <gasps> a line of naked crones crept from a great lake and knelt shivering before her. Their gray heads bowed. The great lake would be what the Dothraki call the womb of the world. Perhaps <laughs> they've gone into the lake because Drogon burned everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly seems like they're submitting to her. That seems hard to doubt. Yeah, they're,
1: they're kneeling to her and in, in a line. I mean, yeah, mm. that's, that seems. I agree with you there. The Khaleesi may fly forth from base Dothrak with a massive khalasar and are having caused much devastation to the mm-hmm. Dothraki home. Yeah. She is the true stallion who mounts the world, uniting all the peoples of the world into one khalasar. Mm-hmm. Dothraki, Unsullied, Shavepates, Freedmen, all, you know, Giscari, mm-hmm. Westerosi... Westerosi. Carthene, you know, right. Pentashi, oh, Bravo, right. I, I mean, Lazarene. just Lazarine. Lazarine. That's I mean, that's yeah. what the prophecy says. Yes. So but well, let's not get too deep into that prophecy. Yes. We're saving that for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but more likely she comes later to Marine. Now it's important to note that even when this battle is over, the action around Marine is not gonna stop because the valentine fleet. Once again, we keep talking about them. They're still on their way. Victorian mm-hmm. saw them at Valantis, getting ready to leave. The, the The people were cheering them, being like, oh, the fleet is ready to go. They're all excited about the prospects of war and, and everything that the fleet is going to bring back in terms of riches and glory. Mm-hmm. So maybe she comes back after they've arrived or yes. in time to deal with them. Uh, something along those lines. It could be like a second Battle of Marine or something like I that. I like to
0: imagine you're showing up you know, a month late with coffee like, anyone's still here?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and of course there won't be no one there as much as the thought amuses me. amuses me. Yeah, could There's, still Ironborn yeah. could still be There's there still there and... tens of thousands of enemy soldiers unaccounted for yeah. plus those elephants yeah. and I mean they could still reform and pose a threat if enough survived the battle.
1: Which it looks like there would be because there were a lot of legions and that one legion Guarding the Herodon, the trebuchet there was six thousand. So mm-hmm. there's several legions, and if they're anywhere the same size as that one, then that's quite a few soldiers unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. Um, but last we saw Danny. She and Drogon were facing down Kal Jaco, who uh may have might have Mago with him. And you might say Daenerys has an opinion on those two yeah. already. It was a cruel fate, Danny said, speaking of the slave girl, Eroa, she had saved previously. Yet not so cruel as Mago's will be. I promise you that. By the old gods and the new, by the lamb god and the horse god and every other god that lives, I swear by the mother of the mountains and the womb of the world. Before I am done with them, Mago and Kojako will plead for the mercy they showed Eroa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not like she. these are just random Dothraki that mm. are showing up.
0: <laughs> so, wherever Daenerys' path takes her, though, it's near certain that she'll will wind back in Marine. Mm. Uh, this time with the means to head back to Westeros. Between the Valyrian Fleets and the Greyjoy Navy, that should be enough. That's with the dragons, of ships. with some Dothraki. Yeah.
1: If you're at all like me, though, you can't wait to see Victarion's point of view in battle again. That's mm. almost certain to happen. I would be a little disappointed if it didn't. Um, he's the biggest badass of badasses, you know, to use the technical term. <laughs> I mean, the guy would quote, "Give half his teeth for the chance to try his axe against the Kingslayer or the Knight of Flowers." That was the sort of battle that he understood.
0: Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, if he fought them. As he, you pointed out when we were discussing it the other day, he fought the Night <laughs> of Flowers, the Kingslayer right now, he could kill them both with one hand. hand, with probably, hand,
1: yeah, hand he could probably, so. yeah, he could take them both at the same time. Yeah. One's badly burned and the other doesn't have a sword hand, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> the
0: guy legitimately wants to fight the best of the best, though. He genuinely loves battle.
1: Uh, <laughs> he wants to fight the best, like, he's like, I would really want to fight the best guys there are. Like, that's just yeah. awesome. I
0: mean, so far we've seen him duel uh, Lord Seri's young heir, And it was a good fight, but it was brief and probably a bit of a mismatch. (laughs) Uh, Since it appears, though, that the company of the cat is meeting the Ironborn in battle as they come ashore, we can hope for an epic duel, you know, such as Victarion versus Bloodbeard. Bloodbeard, yeah, that'd be great.
1: Bloodbeard is described as a roaring giant with a ferocious appetite for slaughter. So a large, loud, a good fighter, he's a redhead.
0: You know, Victorian had to think for gingers. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> you folks didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So anyway, attract- so that guy
1: should that guy should really attract Vic's attention. If he's looking scanning the battle for, looking for the, for the, the biggest, gingers. Biggest for the gingers. Where are the gingers? I'm gonna kill them all. <laughs> He'll see the biggest ginger on the battlefield and go right for him. Yeah. So uh, so hopefully Bloodbeard is, survives the first wave of Ironborn so that he can fight Victorian one-on-one, or, or at least Victarion could fight some badass. I hope, that, yeah. I hope that happens. I think Vic would win that fight and would probably at least think, well, that was a worthy foe at least. And maybe he takes a wound, maybe he takes a major wound, and that maybe reveals his nature. Like, you get to see him come back like Barrack did, and that would maybe prove our theory or disprove it, um... If Makoro's done more than affect his arm, you know, maybe he takes a mortal wound and, mm-hmm. you know...
0: Yeah, I mean, after all, though, prof- part of the prophecy apparently is that, you know, this is Benero's prophecy um, that he says, uh, And her triumph over darkness will bring a summer that will never end. Death itself will bend its knee, and all those who die fighting in her cause shall be reborn.
1: If he's fighting in her cause, I mean, I don't know how literal to take that, but yeah. all who die shall be reborn in her cause. Yeah. That kind of sounds like what the others are doing, uh, uh-huh. by the way, just bringing back all these whites. They didn't die in their cause, but they died, and they're bringing them back, so it's- the magic kind of overlaps a bit, a bit here. Yeah, I think it's something we'll really get into the, another we Definitely,
0: were, uh, like we said, our religion episode, that's what we were supposed to be doing. But we got caught up in other things. New uh, material always yeah, supersedes new material, old yeah, material. Basically, but our religion stuff will cover that. But there are some really <clears throat> interesting the, the, the parallels between the red god between lore and the, the great other, so Yeah, to say, There's more very, in common than you guys might there's think. There's a lot in common. It's creepy.
1: It is very creepy. So consider our earlier comparison to Barric and imagine Victorian going through uh, a similar event. Maybe, he, maybe we actually see him die in his own point of view and then see him wake back up with Makora standing above him, you know, chanting some words or, <laughs> you know, burning him again or something like that. Um, just imagine that. It's kind of like, it would be kind of ironic The Drowned God, consider the Drowned God's Prayer and how Victorian might come back. What is dead may never die, but rise again, harder and stronger.
0: <laughs> yes. So, that's all we have, folks. Um... I hope we hope you enjoyed this episode. Certainly, uh, we'll have another one coming out in about two weeks. We'll probably be, be releasing a religion episode. We might do some ANR to make or discussion. We have a lot of stuff, a lot of documents in the pipeline. It's kind of just a matter of picking what to do first.
1: Yeah, we we would love to do the religions one next to get that started. There's like it's going to be a lot of episodes, and we'll probably like this. One, we'll probably, just, one
0: just on weirwoods. Yeah, the but.
1: next the first one will be just on wherewoods. There's enough material there to we could probably more actually do two episodes on that, but we'll, it'll just be one mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, We're also going to do our episodes on the tournaments, which will be coming up when we get into the seven. And like I mentioned, we've got an episode on Aenar Targaryen to Maegor Targaryen at Mm -hmm. that time period.
0: Some nice ancient history. Basically,
1: because George gave some more material on that at at another convention. So, once again, new material, kind of Trump's old material (laughs) in the order we want to put it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Until the World of Ice and Fire book comes out, we're going to definitely focus less on history and more on... Uh, predictions and analyzing the chapters analyzing Dance mm-hmm. with Dragon kind of yeah. figuring out what's going to happen yes. that kind of stuff because of the history like
0: religion stuff yeah, this also isn't that tied into history right. religion the, is a little separate I kind of
1: doubt there'll be a lot on the wherewoods yeah. in, the, in this history book um, they'll probably be a little bit and may force us to, to or encourage us to do some yeah. sort of addendum but yeah. Once the World Advice and Fire book comes out, that's going to kind of turn our whole world upside down, in fact, in, in, in a good way. But we just don't want to, you know, of course you can see why we'd be hesitant to put out material when something is going to come along and kind of mm. overshadow and it and make us want to do it over. <laughs> yeah, blow our minds. Yeah. So,
0: so um, be sure, though, to... Do check us out on iTunes. Depending on where you're listening, where you're, you know, you're watching, give us a rating, yes, please. Give us we a really, uh,
1: we those are really important for us. They help if us a lot. If you're
0: watching on YouTube, give us a like. You know, share our videos and whatnot. Um, be sure we check out the actual sources on where we found the chapters if you're interested maybe you have th- maybe you noticed things that we didn't think were noteworthy
1: particular shout out to azador yeah. um, from the forums yeah. there
0: be sure to me if you feel like <laughs> thank the people who, who they take the time to really take notes during these readings a lot of the times and they they post it up for us and they, they do a good service yeah
1: so yeah thanks to all those people mm-hmm. and for the people that helped discuss it to help us figure out um, what we were going to say we of course a lot of this is conversations we have in the prior to the episode we figure things out and kind of make up our own predictions and and uh kind of uh, chase each thread where we can take it
0: mm-hmm. um
1: of course we're on facebook westeros history at facebook uh, what did i You not history right. history i'll do that again
0: yes. uh, you can go you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash slash westeros history
1: Twitter at WesterosHistory.
0: Uh, you can email us, uh, WesterosHistory at gmail.com.
1: Yes, you can certainly email us questions or mm-hmm. concerns or um, yes. what you'd like to see in future episodes. Mm-hmm. We're working on a website. Speaking yes. of the website, thanks to everybody who's donated so yeah, we far. Did. We it's really, really awesome. appreciate the donations.
0: We have. We've bought in the, we got the website. We're working on the website. We're still trying to figure out some nitty-gritty details with it, but... Um, Website itself is paid for at the moment, thanks to your guys' donations. That's right. That's um, a lot. Next in the pipeline, one of the things that we're gonna get is we're gonna get a video camera, better camera, better yeah. camera, because we're doing a lot. We do have a lot of YouTube. We're using a nice webcam, but it can be better, mm-hmm. basically.
1: And we're gonna part of our website is gonna have forums. So yeah. once those are live, we'll be inviting you all to join us there. Yeah, so forums
0: are the as long thing that we have right now.
1: Discuss uh, p- potential future episodes, just general stuff about the books, whatever you want to talk about. Um, we'll, we're gonna try to do a th- few things a little differently. Um, From other forums, just kind of you know, just to give you guys a different look, but more on that when we're actually closer to that being real.
0: Yes. Um, So I think that's it. So I guess that
1: is about it, everybody. Um, Like
0: it, donate, and you know, comment and tell us if you if you disagree, if you agree, whatever.
1: Yep. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks Um, a lot. We'll we'll see you next time.